What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It is draft day. It's Hale Var City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We will be with you for a couple of hours and then send you to the NFL draft. So I'm not sure that you'll hear a, a Husker tonight. I don't think you'll hear a Husker tonight. But never fear. Friday's just less than 24 hours, less than 12 hours away. So you'll hear a couple of Huskers. We think... Tomorrow, So we'll dive in and spend some time talking about projections and how some of the Huskers fare this upcoming draft. We'll check in with a real live NFL draft analyst who's worked in the front office and get his take on some of the other Husker players, where they can land their upside and some of the bigger uh, draft questions for this year's draft between the edge rushers, who's going number one overall. And uh, don't don't kid yourself. There's some arm wrestling going on, and there's a lot of polarizing players in this year's draft. Numbers to get in today at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. And can always email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Got a really good email to get into as well. The lineup is as such. In uh, 15 minutes, Brandon Vogel will join us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We'll kick off Hour 2 with Russ Landy, uh, NFL Draft Insider. Gary Barnett with us. And then how about some of the props for Vegas for the NFL Draft? Danny Burke, also some thoughts on the NBA playoffs tonight. That's the uh, the rundown for you on a Thursday. Elijah, you sent me a, a beautiful video. And it was a, uh, a rescue boat for the Bellagio pool, just in case any draft pick decides to jump in where the fountains are at. You know, I remember Nashville pre-COVID being a party. I remember Vegas supposedly hosting the draft, of course, and now it got rescheduled to this year. I think it was Cleveland last year or Kansas City. Excuse me, Kansas City last year. Yeah, and it's going to be Kansas City again next year because last year it was unable to be in Kansas City, correct? I think so. I'm, 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 you, had, you had Cleveland, you had COVID, you had Nashville, you have Kansas City, and, and Vegas is getting the makeup now. But uh, we can talk about how many Huskers go. And uh, what you do have is this. uh, Nebraska will be well represented via the draft this year for the first time since, I don't know, you go back to that 2016 draft, the 2015 season. Think about the guys 
that got picked or ended up on squads. Riley, uh, of course, DeMornay Pearsonell, Malik Collins. Uh, God, help me out. I saw him at Searles' place. Used to play for the Buffs and transferred into Lincoln. Alex Lewis. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Lewis, fifth-round pick. Uh, Janovich. I mean, so th- this will be a good year for, for, for Nebraska. I... I want to ask this, and can dial us up or send your email in as well, but of the Huskers that are supposed to, to find their way to an NFL roster or of these Huskers that are, that are going to either get picked or have a shot at free agency, what Husker's going to have the best pro career? Mm. And that's, that's tough to gauge, right? I mean, you look at guys that uh, maybe didn't get drafted that are still playing or went late that are still playing. Uh, Rex Burkhead, six-round pick, still getting it done for the Texans. So you have Cam Jurgens, and it's going to be awesome if you uh, drive through Beatrice on Friday, right, assuming he doesn't get picked tonight. Cam Jurgens, Cam Taylor-Britt, Austin Allen, JoJo Doman, Deontay Williams, uh, Ben Stilley, Damian Daniels, uh, Samare Toure, Markel Dismuke, uh, Levi Falk. I mean, those are the guys that have a chance to – sign a deal or, or hear their name. And I think Cam's going to be a really good pro, Cam Jurgens. I think he'll have a good career. I think the guy I'm excited about, I'm excited for all of them, but I think the guy that could really have a, a, a bright NFL future is Cam Taylor Britt. Because of his physicality, because of his his length, because of his speed, and, and he's slated to go second or third round, second through fourth. Is, is fair when you look at the different mocks. Good write-up by Jacob Padilla uh, when it comes to the path to the draft. And you have Cam's a guy that just loves playing football. Cam Taylor Britt's a dude that was a quarterback. And Chins is like, how about you come to Lincoln and play in the defensive side of the ball for me? And immediately he made things happen. He had to step in at, at, at safety when Nebraska had some injuries in 2018. Uh, seven games, played well, and then transitioned from safety to corner. Did that for two years. And the thing that, that stuck out to me, there's just some guys that play ball that are are made for the moment. And I think of I think of some of the tight ball games that Nebraska actually won, a lot of those Illinois games or the Penn State game, I think of how big Cam Taylor Britt was. I think a Cam Taylor Britt missing a tackle, getting up and running the guy down, even if he didn't make a tackle. Uh, I think a Cam Taylor Britt on a, on, a, on a tip drill interception to get momentum back for Nebraska against Iowa in the 2019 season, a defensive touchdown. I also think a Cam uh, forcing a, a fumble that the, uh, the Buffs recovered, unfortunately, but that was out in Boulder, right? Nebraska just gets whacked on a flea flicker. <laughs> what happens? Well, uh, they get a monster return. And uh, after the flea flicker in Boulder in 2019, and then Cam Taylor Britt's out there to force a fumble. And he's just a guy that, that is uh, pretty heady, pretty talented. And I think how he finished out his season this year says a lot about how you can project him to fit in, grow, 
and get better. I thought he forced a lot. I thought he was trying too hard. You look at the Illinois game as a punt returner. He wanted to bring that part of the arsenal to his play on top of the versatility of, of safety and corner. The, 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 the punt return thing did never work out. It's not that he's not talented enough to do it. It just between uh, some fair catches and some fumbles, Nebraska had to go a different direction. So I'm going to circle Cam Taylor Britt as the guy that I think can, can have the best pro career for Nebraska kids that hear their name this weekend. And I, I think that's a solid answer because O-line isn't sexy, but I got to go with Cam Jurgens. That's fair, uh, I, I dude. That's the, totally a good. The call. athleticism and the power he brings in the offensive line. I know he's not a like a six foot four mauler, but he, he's going to fit somewhere in an NFL scheme. I think he's going to be one of those guys where, yeah, it's not a glamorous position. You're not going to be seeing him on highlight reels for the next ten years, but he'll be on an NFL roster for the next ten years, and he'll probably be a starter for a good chunk of those years as well. So I got to go with Cam Jurgens simply because uh, he's a different kind of athlete. At, at his position as compared to everybody else who's draft eligible. I don't think you can say the same for Cam Taylor, but I think there's a lot of great athletes in the cornerback room. Cam Jurgens is gotta be. <laughs> Cam Jurgens is either the most athletic or the second most athletic center. Um, and you could even argue offensive lineman as a whole uh, whenever you look at just how well he gets out and moves out in space. Uh, so I got to go with Cam Jurgens just because I think he is special in his own position. Our friends at Barstool put out uh, catchphrases for the 2022 NFL mock draft. Jacksonville's picking first, and they are drafting a Tim Tebow motivational coach. Mm. Yeah, that'll be that's good that's them. where they're going to go. Detroit will uh, forego a, an edge rusher and and draft an actual lion. <laughs> the Jets will uh, draft a new team doctor. <laughs> uh, I like the Texans pick. Someone who will be traded to the Patriots in a year. That's funny. <laughs> and Atlanta, they're throwing shade on Atlanta. They're going to take another tight end because <laughs> Pittman went last year <laughs> to him. Uh, Seattle, I like this. A third girl for DK. And number 11 for Washington, a new owner. So uh, what Husker uh, clicks when they're picked or signed, who has the best uh, future? Overall, uh, I don't get Travion Walker's ascent. I understand his speed and athleticism and size and talent off, off the edge. But I don't, I don't get it, – it's an ego pick if you're Jacksonville. If you go take Trayvon Walker and nine and a half career sacks in three years, that's all about, well, this is the guy that I think we're going from like good to pro bowler or 10-year guy or eight-year guy to we're going to go get the next LT and I'm right. That's what this feels mm, like. That's, that's a good take. That's what this feels like because – how much, you know, is Aiden hitting his head on the ceiling? Probably. But I think Aiden Hutchinson's a guy that can get a lot done for you. I mean, I think there's there's too much flash and not enough substance with Walker. I kind of think that about Thibodeau. I think Thibodeau can be great. I don't know that Thibodeau wants to be great. He missed a lot. He missed some big games, dude. I mean, he was out for the Ohio State game. Right? He helped me. That was a business decision. Okay. And they won anyway. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I don't like that aspect of some of these edge guys. I think Karloftis is incredible. I think he could be big time. I, I, I'm not saying I'd take him number one overall, but I think Hutchinson and Karloftis are guys that are going to bring bring it to for you every every down. And I think there's there's a, there's a ton of other options defensively uh, from this this Georgia national championship team too. Uh, we'll talk with Russ Landy about that. Are you uh, settling in on four or more uh, players drafted? Or are you going three? Where are you settling at here with Huskers picked? So the line set at three and a half for this. Yes. I believe we, we set it before the show. And I, I think I'm leaning towards the under. Do so you think it's just going to be JoJo? It's going to be Cam and Cam? Cam, Cam, and then either JoJo or Austin, Austin. Allen. JoJo, Do you worry about JoJo sliding? It's it's the the age thing for me. The fact that he's 25. It's the, it's the ACL thing for me. the ACL me. thing for you. See, I look at 25, and you can throw the, the two knee injuries in there as well, and you go, I can see. I hope I, he goes, like, second round. I, I, but I can see teams putting them putting him on their do-not-draft list of just being a guy. Of sign like, him for Yeah, if, if he falls out of draft, you sign him, agent. and if somebody else gets him, okay, we're fine with losing because we don't want to take the risk. And that, that's what I wonder with, with, with JoJo's. I think he's a great talent, mm-hmm. and I think if somebody does get him in the sixth or seventh round, they could have an absolute diamond. Uh, a guy who, give him two, three years in the NFL, uh, he could be a guy who's a, a stud for you on defense. But I also look at the other side and go, you're also taking that risk that he's going to remain injury-free for two to three years. Two guys, Ben Stilley. I know he's an older guy. Ben played great football. Mm-hmm. I think he could really hammer it. I think he could have a good NFL career if he gets to the right team because he's a he's a ball player. I also think Deontay Williams. I agree with you. On I that. love Deontay's fire and passion, and the guy is just got to stay healthy. He had the the collarbone thing early in his career at Nebraska. He had the knee making an interception against Minnesota. We were there for that. That sucked. Deontay is a guy that can smack you. He's a tackler. He's a missile. But he also is really, really good in coverage. And and I think he's he lo- as, as much as he likes hitting people, he likes covering people. So I think he's he's absolutely – don't you see him as some guy that's just going to rocket on special teams for about eight years I if agree, he stays healthy? Because I don't – he never – made a play that made me go wow that guy's phenomenal but he was always rock solid in the back he was always a guy if if the running back got to safety level you knew Deontay Williams was going to make the tackle. run him down if you got Deontay Williams one-on-one in good coverage position you know Deontay Williams is not going to make a mistake breaking that pass up uh he's going to intercept he's break it. it up he'd intercept it he, he would do what well. he would never make the play that made you go wow I don't know how he made that play but he was always in the right place at the right time and he was always just rock solid and dependable I'd put him as the number one guy last season where you knew what you were going to get from him every single game, which was going to be you know six, seven tackles, a couple pass breakups, mm-hmm. and just solid all game long. He, he's a, a dependable guy, and I like your take. Special teams guy, solid, dependable. Well, and, and Nebraska's not been known for a lot of forcing of turnovers, mm-hmm. but when they've had the games where they've been on it and that's been a, a, a very real element of their defense – it's been Deontay to make the picks, mm-hmm. to get him going against Minnesota, to make the pick against Michigan, yeah. right? To get the, you're down 13 rip at halftime, you get the pick at midfield, you score after that. Deontay's a, 
was a momentum changer for the Nebraska defense. I think Ture, I know there's a billion receivers in this draft, but I think Samare is a guy that that uh, uh, is intriguing as well. So I think Nebraska is going to have a good weekend. If you're a big Red fan, I hope uh, that, 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 that they do. And if it's my money, I'm going Aiden Hutchinson. He may not be spectacular. He may not wow you. And, and he wowed me. I mean, he he willed Michigan to, uh, you know, a 12 and, 12 and 1 season. And, and he was incredible off the edge. And the question is, 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 he, is he solid or does he turn into a Bosa? And I, and I don't think I don't think he's twitchy enough to be Bosa. I think he's slower. So I don't know that you're going to get a Bosa brother from him. But I think you're going to get a guy that, that is good, can get you a six to nine sacks, Elijah, and, and, and play every down. And I hope he falls to the Lions because he just seems like a perfect match for well, Dan Campbell and his personality. Well, it's, it's home for him in the state of Michigan. Brandon Vogel's next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! NFL Draft coming up at 6. Follows us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Many of our affiliates, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in managing editor with Hale Varsity, Dot com and magazine author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with this at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogue's uh, a Twitter feed and uh, post is out there from uh, Barrett Sully asking your worst NFL draft take of all time. My worst NFL draft take of all time was saying I love this pick for the Arizona Cardinals and Matt Leinart. I thought Leinart could be the guy. I loved watching him at SC with that left-handed style. And no, he's at a desk making money, still out in the sunshine. That's my confession. Do you have one? Um, honestly, NFL isn't the first one that comes to mind. There is one with the, the, the NBA draft where uh, the year that LeBron was drafted, I uncertain myself and it, it and expressed at least to a couple of other people. I was like, yeah, that seems good, but should we think about Carmelo Anthony? Um, <laughs> not that Carmelo Anthony had a bad career by any means, no, but it, it's kind of, kind of the, you know, as I, I didn't have draft takes during uh, the Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf era, but Carmelo over LeBron, it, it, it gets in the neighborhood. Let's put it that way. That's fine. And, and Melo's good. Melo won a title for Syracuse. Let's be straight. LeBron living up to every inch of the hype is quite a feat. <laughs> On top of championships. 
No, you just nailed it. And that was kind of my entire argument. And, you know, at that time, like, you know, obviously we, we had had Moses Malone way before that and, and a few others and Kevin Garnett had come into the league and like, it was a little bit of a slower build with him, but I was like, you know, LeBron seems awesome. Like I definitely tuned into his high school, high school games on ESPN too. I was like, but Carmelo Anthony won an NCAA championship. We got to think about that. Right. And now we know, um, well, no, you just kind of draft on upside, but, but you, you are exactly right. Like the, the, the most surprising thing in any draft, whether, you know, not, not necessarily just draft, but recruiting, et cetera, is when a player is exactly as good as you thought they were. Um, but that's the piece that gets taken for granted most often. Second confession, being a high schooler, remember being pissed at Baltimore for drafting this guy named Jonathan Ogden over Lawrence Phillips. Uh, Jonathan Ogden is as good as it gets at tackle and feel bad for LP. Turns out you really couldn't have gone wrong there. No, well, well, kind of. Just but. a bit. Like, you know, uh, LP's got to do the uh, rehab at Barcelona and then get another crack. Meanwhile, Jonathan Ogden's the gold standard along with Orlando Pace at tackle. So uh, some of these res- responses to, to Barrett, I was convinced Josh Allen would be a bust in college because he wasn't very good in college and saw him throw five picks against a Mike Riley team. Um, Alex Smith would be better than Aaron Rodgers. Leaf over Manning, a second Nebraska memory. Bruce Pickens would be an all-pro for several years. <laughs> you know, and, and listen, I, I think back to the 1990 draft for Nebraska, and, and you had Mike Kroll go number four. I think you had Mills go in the third or fourth round to Denver. You had, you had Pickens go three overall. So you had bang, bang, Nebraska players go back to back. Kenny Walker went seventh round. And I'm like, Nebraska's got like six guys in this draft. How the hell did they finish 25th in the country? And it kind of feels that way a little bit here with Nebraska. Look at all the guys that could sign or get drafted Vogues this weekend, and yet you're three and nine. Yeah, that's that's always the tough thing come draft time. And, you know, college football, you know, depending on the school and their calendar has – has spring football going on or recently just got over. So, I mean, the NFL draft, like as, as important as it is, as it is for, for NFL purposes, like is, is still largely a, a college event. And, and we use it as a way to kind of keep score in the off season when there's, there's nothing else to keep score of. And that's fine. Like, I think it can be illustrative of, of some of those things. It, it gets a little bit tough because, okay, I, I agree with your, your premise there of like, okay, Nebraska is in as good a draft spot as it has been, you know, since, since that, the, the consecutive draft streak ended. And that's true. Um, so you could look at that and say, well, why was the record three and nine? You could also look at that and say, well, a lot better than, than where they were at when, in, in 2018 when I think that streak ended. Mm-hmm. Like at least now they're producing those. So, so that's the thing that always, like, for me, in the weird way that I think always confuses me about the draft is you can use it to, to kind of prove a lot of things, and I'm not saying that's what you're trying to do. It just begs the question, right, of like, okay, you've got Cam Jurgens who, who seems to be moving up pretty quickly, and you've got a handful of other guys who seem like sure bets to at least go. And, and Samori Ture is a guy who I think – 
is, is probably the biggest wild card here. He, in terms of surprises for Nebraska guys this weekend, he might be have that biggest potential. What does all of that say about the fact that you went three and nine? And it takes me back to the point where I look at Nebraska, and it's a lot easier to do now that that season's over as a team that was really, really close to being good. And it looked really, really close on the scoreboard, but close only counts in, in horseshoes and hand grenades. I love that saying, Brandon. My grandpa used to love that one. But uh, I, I want to I kind of reset a question that's been a bit of a topic for us this week. We were discussing, uh, I think it was last Friday, uh, if there's any barometer for you know Huskers being selected in the NFL draft being a, a reason for success within the Husker football program. And I, I just want to get your take. Is it necessary for Nebraska to be pumping out first-round picks for them to be a successful college football team? Uh, really good question. I don't think it's necessary, necessary in a strict sense. It would be great if you had it. So, I mean, really, if you boil it down, and, you know, we'll see all this stuff in the days to come about, here's, here's the number of players that Alabama has put in the draft. I think what really defines Alabama is, one, they bring in a ton of talent. And they can bring in a ton of talent because, you know, they're winning for there's various reasons. But part of that pitch is they put a lot of guys in the NFL. That definitely helps. Um, but if you were to really, like, go through each of those players' careers and, and break it down, are they better at the college level than they are at the NFL level? And I don't strictly know the answer to that but i think alabama wins at a higher level than it does even produce nfl draft picks which it produces a ton of them and and then that kind of underscores it for me because you have nick saban somebody who's been in the nfl but this is still winning at the college level is its own unique thing and it's the only thing that matters to these coaches these players these assistants all of the people involved if that results in additional draft picks, and it often does, great. But they, they're not quite one-to-one, which is the thing I always keep in mind this weekend of the NFL draft. If we're counting at home in the Saban era at Bama, 39 first-round picks, 25 career losses. Oh, what a stat. So uh, you, you have Saban that's running up the score on, on losses for 39 and 25. 39 first-round picks, 25 losses career. And he's probably going to get a, a couple more first-rounders tonight. Oh, he, easy. He'll have two or three, I, w- I would think. Got, I mean, Jamison Williams is a guy maybe. and Yeah, that's Bama for He, he had eight, eight uh, a couple of years ago. So, and, and, and to your point, Vogues, they don't always translate or pan out. They just don't. I mean, like, Hightower's the one that set the bar for everybody. It's some guy at 6'4", 270, a linebacker, killing it for, you know, killing it for uh, for Belichick. But, you know, two has not exactly been great. Um, uh, you've got some, I mean, as many receivers as they've put out, some of them are hit or miss. Uh, Julio's still great, even though he's old now. But uh, give me a thought. You like uh, Samare, but... The, the number at three and a half uh, over under, where are you going as far as Huskers actually picked? Hmm. I'd probably go over based on based on Toure uh, alone. So it feels like Jurgens, Taylor Britt, and JoJo are 
pretty solid. Um, I mean, they're not. I wouldn't put them in the in the lock category. Not as a group of three. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I feel good about that. And if you can get somebody like Toure, some of these mocks have Austin Allen going. You know, on on Saturday. So you've got two potential outs there uh, in terms of the overall number of Nebraska Cornhuskers selected. So I would take the over on that. And, you know, I think they, if, if it hits, they'll be right at four. Um, but, you know, that's – you look at all of those guys, and I think each of them – it, from very different circumstances, have a good story to tell about Nebraska's football, which for those of us that covered college football primarily, you know, is a large part of what we're talking about here. You've got a high-profile in-state guy. Um, if Austin Allen goes, you've got a relatively middle-of-the-road profile in-state guy. you got JoJo Doman, a 500-mile radius guy. you got Kane Taylor-Britt, the person you plucked from SEC country as an undervalued asset. And then if, if, if Samori Ture were to go, you, you've got the transfer piece of it, too. So, like, I think this could be a pretty positive draft for Nebraska overall, though it will inevitably prompt, prompt the question that you asked of, like, well, why'd you go three and nine then? That is a, just a gorgeous look at the, the different layers of how this weekend could go. I mean, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it with all sorts of success and storylines for future success. We'll spend more time Saturday on O'Shawn Mathis, but uh, at quick glance, could Nebraska's defense upgrade on the D-line if they end up pulling Devin Drew and O'Shawn Mathis? Is the defensive line better next year than what, what just graduated? I think so. I mean, the the ceiling is certainly higher, which is really all you can do in terms of, of adding players to the roster, whether that's through recruiting or now through the through the transfer portal. And I mean, really, they're at a point where, you know, we know about Ty Robinson and that's kind of it. You can feel good or you can feel bad about some of the players coming up and, you know, it's always somewhere between those two poles, but just adding players who have proven it somewhere else. I mean, the transfer portal in general, when you look at it from a zoomed out view of just the FCS guys who have come in um, and, and had success at places throughout the country, I think tells you, like, even at that level, if you prove you can play and you, you go about things the right way, that's a pretty good indicator of – being able to do things at, at a different level. And, and there are certainly some guys who, you know, have gotten caught up in the jump from FCS to FBS, but proven proven players are are just tough to beat. And you can't do that through high school recruiting. Bogues, I need two minutes on the other side to talk volleyball transfer and two can you can you hang on? Yep, sounds good. Hello listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. 
promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Coming up next hour, Russ Landy, NFL draft analyst and insider Gary Barnett with us. Brandon Vogel hanging tight with us, uh, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Folks, I needed to get your reaction to Akani transferring. Uh, uh, just an incredible defensive specialist. Nebraska has Lexi Rodriguez, of course. And then you've got the Caffey decision, Hames and Knuckles. I mean, you've got a loaded lineup coming back for, for a title run for Coach Cook. But uh, how big a, a, of, a, of a loss is Akani leaving? And uh, what's your read on it? Yeah, it's, it, it stings a little bit. You know, my, my read on it would be uh, she, she is an extraordinarily good player. Nebraska happens to have, as we saw play out last season, uh, Lexi Rodriguez, who in terms of uh, libero might be as good as there is in the country. And, you know, somebody who just kind of comes in as a true freshman and just immediately locks the spot down. So if Akano wanted to play that spot, you know, you're, you're kind of out of options. It, 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 it would be like, a, you know, a very good backup quarterback being like, I love it here. I love everything about this. I, I love my experience, but I, you know, I'm going to kick myself down the road if I don't find out if I can do the same. And that's not happening for me here. That's <clears throat> totally my read. Um, I, so I, I could see that being the case in terms of what it means for, for Nebraska. I think some of that's still to be, to be sorted out. So Nicklin Haynes, in my opinion, gives Nebraska a little bit of wiggle room here. You know, she, she played center for most of that spring match, and we know that Kennedy Orr was, was dinged up a little bit post-beach post volleyball. So, you know, if, if Kennedy Orr is able to be that center, uh, you look at that super defensive lineup that Nebraska threw out last year occasionally with Keanu Lay and Kinsey Knuckles and um, Lexi Rodriguez in the back row. Well, they just lost one of those. If you could put Haynes back there, or if you start looking at running a, a 6-2 with, with Kennedy and, and, and Nicklin potentially being in the back row at various points, like I think it's something Nebraska can definitely sustain um, and, and withstand that loss, but she's she's a great player, and it certainly came as a surprise to me. Now, Brandon, what's the status of uh, the the Callie Schwartzenbach situation? I know she was playing in the the exhibition match before she transfers. What, what what's going on there? Yeah, so she'll she'll be she'll be playing at Long Beach uh, with former Husker assistant Ty, Tyler Hildebrand, um, and, and that was kind of you know I think always the plan along the way she was going to be at Nebraska for this semester. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly viewed it as kind of a, a neat thing about how volleyball works, because it would have been easy for John Cook to say like, well, if you're going over there, um, we wish you the best of luck. Good luck to you. Uh, enjoy your classes. Let us know if you need help. And that's about it. But Nebraska also needed some middles in this this spring session, you know, with Kayla Caffey's status up in the air, got the high-profile transfer from Penn State coming in the summer, but they didn't have that now. 
So she basically just got to practice with Nebraska. You know, I'm sure Tyler Hildebrand will run some similar things. And just being able to play and participate, serve Nebraska for the reasons mentioned, and serve Long Beach State when she, when she gets there. So it was, uh, it was the sort of thing I don't think you see at this level of, of football or basketball, for example. But it happens in volleyball, which is, which is part of the reason why I really love this sport at the college level. Brandon Vogel with us. Vogue, thanks for spending an extra couple of minutes to talk some volleyball. Uh, Junior is wearing what jersey tonight for the draft? <laughs> uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't have any NFL jerseys tonight. I guess I could kind of co- try and color coordinate, but he'll be in bed before, <laughs> before this starts. Big, big day will be Saturday for him. We'll have to make some choices for that. Is, is there a, a team you're pushing him towards in the NFL or no? Not really. I'm not that. uh, I I don't follow the NFL that closely. Technically, I'm a Bears fan, so forcing the choice. He does have some orange pants, uh, so I can find a navy blue top to put him in if we got to go that route. Just give him the fake mustache, a little baby Ditka. It would work. (laughs) Vogues, take care, buddy. Thank you, bud. All right. All right. There he is. Brandon Vogel with his managing editor. HailVarsity.com and Magazine, 15 minutes away. Russ Landy, NFL uh, analyst, uh, draft insider, front office man for Belichick. And the Browns, also the Rams with Vermeil. But who can forget when we talk about takes, right? Like worst draft takes ever. <laughs> uh, you had uh, the, the, the Colts front office at the time in a sparring match with one Mel Kuyper over uh, our favorite native son in the big chair now, Trev Alberts, 1994 NFL draft. I mean, here's a team that needed a franchise quarterback. There were two out there. They have a chance at two. They don't take it. They end up coming back into the picture to get Trent Dilfer. They take an outside linebacker, not even a true outside linebacker. Somebody has to learn coverage in Trev Alberts. But to pass up a Trent Dilfer when all you have is Jim Harbaugh, give me a break. That's why the Colts are picking second every year in the draft, not battling for the Super Bowl like other clubs in the National Football League. So let's stop there for a second. One, Jim Harbaugh the following year led Indy to the AFC Championship, and they were a Hail Mary that almost was caught at Three Rivers Stadium away from going to the Super Bowl. That's that's point one. Two, let's not write home about Trent Dilfer, all right? I know he won a Super Bowl, but he pretty much stayed out of the way. Trev got hurt. It sucked. I loved watching Trev and Lincoln as a kid, and then was excited for him to get picked as high as he did, fifth overall. That was incredible. But Indy was always picking high. I mean, they, they Jeff George, right, the flaming mullet, uh, they ended up getting traded because his teammates hated him. Andre Risen, first-rounder. Uh, who else? Uh, well, who's the, the Tony Mandrich, for God's sake. That was Green Bay, I think. Who was the running back they picked a couple before Trev Alberts? Because they had the second pick and the fifth pick that year. Marshall? I think it was Marshall Falk. Yeah, I, think, they, I think they got Marshall Falk second, and then they passed on Trent Dilfer at five. Right. They, they, they picked Marshall first, and, the, and then, yeah. They, but they also traded Marshall to, to the Rams, and then got Edger in with Peyton. Uh, more on the hilarity that ensued, the response from the Colt brass. Who in the hell is Mel Kuyper, in a way? 
I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. In my knowledge of him, he's never ever put on a jock strap. He's never been a coach. He's never been a scout. He's never been an administrator. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our papers two days ago telling us who we have to take. We don't have to take anybody that Mel Kuyper says we have to take. Mel Kuyper has no more credentials to do what he's doing than my neighbor, and my neighbor's a postman, and he doesn't even have season tickets to the NFL. Bill Tobin isn't done. Come on back for a final. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One hour away from the NFL draft coverage, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll check in with Russ Landy, NFL Draft Insider, analyst, front office man for a number of years. Get his take on the big red projections and uh, what he thinks of some of the Husker guys uh, that uh, may hear their name called. We'll also get into the nuts and bolts of just uh, what is the, the, the safe pick versus the splash pick and uh, where aware. Oh, uh, the team of the top, Jacksonville, should go. They haven't got it right since Tony Baselli. It's 95. So we're talking the, the 94 draft and Trev Alberts, the center of it way back when, and the Mel Kuyper fight with uh, Tobin. Well, yeah, and it's fun here because Tobin, we, we heard his initial reaction. This is the, the draft. full. This is the full E True Hollywood story. So like he had, there was like the the on TV interview with the draft people, and he comes back and uh, has some research done. By the time they're finally introducing their draft picks, and man, that this work gets fun. What do you want to cover first, our players or uh, that, that or that jerk in uh, <laughs> Baltimore? Well, let me tell you a little bit. I mean, the people in this room, Mel Kiper lives in Baltimore. And I found all this out about the last three days. He lives in Baltimore. He tried to uh, hang around the practices up there, I think when Teddy was a coach earlier. And this didn't come from Teddy, this came from another guy. But he always wanted to work in the NFL. He has no credentials to work in the NFL. He always just hung around. Nobody ever hired him. He's never been hired by anyone. When the Colts moved here, he was very, very upset. So every chance that Mel Kuyper gets to shoot at the Colts in Indianapolis, he's gonna do it. He reaches out to everyone. I got a sister in Burlington Junction, Missouri, that when we took William Perry back in 84 or 85, I talked to her two days later and she said, why'd you take the fat kid? <laughs> and I said, you just have to believe me, he was, he was the best available. And he was the best available. He's good. But I mean, Mel Kuyper gets to your sister. He gets to your mother. He gets to everybody. <laughs> My God, you just play that on a loop. Mel Kiper gets to your mother, gets to your sister. Why'd you take the fat kid? William Perry was incredible at Clemson and was good in, with the Bears until he kept eating and eating and eating and eating. Well, he got fat, yeah. I mean, he was always big, <laughs> but he was super fast and talented. But, it should, I mean, it should be noted, like, even through all this disrespect, the NFL draft wouldn't be what it is today without Mel Kuyper. No, Mel's, Mel's money. Uh, he, he's good. He knows his stuff. Him and McShay. Uh, it's going to be a good night. I got baseball tonight for Junior down at Norris, but I will have my uh, my YouTube TV going. So this is interesting. Name the three teams that haven't drafted a first-round quarterback this century. Mm. Think about that. Seahawks. They went Kitna, Hasselbeck, Russ. Hasselbeck wasn't a first round guy. 
I think this century, 96. Okay, okay. Right? Cowboys, I mean, they, they fell into Romo, undrafted free agent in 03. Before that, it was the merry-go-round, cover your ears, Uncle Andy, Quincy Carter, uh, Chris Hutchinson, Bledsoe, and then Vinny intercept Verdi. And then the Saints. Okay, that makes sense, though. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Brooks era for a while, the Mad Bomber, then they go get Breeze in the second round. Yeah, then you, you don't. I mean, they traded for him, too. Like, he was a, a second round pick from the, the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trade for him. I mean, what, you don't need to pick up a quarterback there. Nope. We'll uh, get the rundown. Who's going where and what are the projections for the Nebraska players in the draft? Russ Landy up next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. An hour from now, uh, we will take you to NFL Draft coverage. We uh, kick things off, though, with NFL Insider Draft Expert Russ Landy, at Russ Landy on Twitter. Russ, you've, uh, you've been a part of so many different drafts, and 2022 is here. How are you? Thanks for a few minutes. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I appreciate it. Well, let's look at this 2022 draft, and, you know, you you have Trayvon Walker making a surge. It sounds like he may go number one overall, the talented uh, edge man from Georgia. There's still a a strong pull for Aiden Hutchinson. (laughs) Who do you go with, Russ? You're you're making the call right now. Who's your top pick? Who do you like? Uh, Just pick, pick wherever, any position. You know, I'd probably lean towards one of the offensive tackles. Um, I, I like the cross kid the most of the offensive tackles. He's probably, if I had to pick a player, he'd be the guy I'd feel is the safest. But I think when you look at Hutchinson, um, you have a tremendous football player, maybe not the elite rare special athlete that Walker is, but you have a really, really good football player who's going to be a highly productive consistent player. I think with Walker, you have a guy who's sort of a freak of nature. He flashes. Um, He has a lot of the physical attributes, testing-wise and on the field, that usually points towards elite success as a pass rusher, but he hasn't shown it on the field consistently, and that's what's a little bit scary. Well, Russ, would you say that the, the, the conversation between these two guys is Hutchinson is the guy who's got proven production in college, and Walker is the guy that's got that the, the boatloads of potential that these NFL teams look for. Is that a fair way to, to frame this conversation around the number one pick? 
Oh, there's no question. I mean, I think when you look at Hutchinson, he's the safer, easier pick, and that he's going to be a very solid player. Whether he ever becomes a star, we don't know. Whereas Walker could be a guy that flames out like a Vernon Golston, or he could be a guy that turns into a Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett type. Because the thing he has that Hutchinson has not shown is just that rare athleticism. Hutchinson is a really good athlete, but this kid, Walker, has special rare athletic traits, and I think that's sometimes what makes teams roll the dice and gamble on a guy that may not be as productive. And if you just look back a few years ago, the Texans took the gamble on Jadavon Clowney. The Raiders took the gamble on Khalil Mack, and obviously Mack turned out to be the better player, even though he didn't have the testing numbers that Jadavon Clowney did. Russ Landy's with us, NFL Draft Preview, Hail Varsity Radio, at Russ Landy on Twitter. Russ, I want to kind of pick your brain from your experience as a scout and also in the front office. You are able to assess the team's needs. They send you out to go take a look at guys in-game and, of course, with workouts. And when it comes to your voice, your input, you'd, you'd give the the GM, you'd give the coaching staff, you'd give the owner your input. Did you have uh, examples of, of where your pick, so to speak, won out and that's who they went with, or did you have to – kind of go to the wall, so to speak, for who you wanted, or, or how did you handle those situations? Well, I think what you, what you learn is you can't go to bat and fight for every single guy you like. You have to Each year you pick out four or five guys that you really believe as a player and as a person are what fit perfectly in your organization. So those are the players you fight for. I can remember when I was at the Browns, there was a player named Rock Cartwright, um, coming out of Kansas State, and I fought and I fought and I fought and I got him on our draft board. Unfortunately, we didn't get the chance to select him. But what I fought for, his leadership, his character, his ability to contribute on special teams, is what allowed him to be a 10-year NFL vet. Even though he never became a star as a fullback running back, he became a star special teams player and a team captain. And those are the things that you fight for, is the guys that you know will fit in your building both player-wise and like sort of locker room character-wise. Rock Cartwright, man, uh, a lot of games against Nebraska. He was wearing that purple. I remember him. <laughs> I remember him well. He was a stud. Yeah. yeah, he's a ball player, man. He was not fun for uh, for a lot of the Big 8 slash Big 12 to tackle. Who falls? Who do you think uh, is, is, from a talent level, absolutely a top-five guy, but for whatever reason, maybe it's off-field concern, maybe it's on-field project, production projection. Who do you think is, is maybe a, a name and a talent that's available uh, 9, 10, 11, or even beyond? Well, you know, I think the Hamilton kid, the safety, is a guy that could definitely fall a little bit. I think when, when teams have to break ties um, and set in their draft boards in the days leading up to the draft, safeties often come in last. Um, if a team doesn't feel he's a guy that can cover slot receivers, they often say, oh, we're a little bit nervous to take him in the top five or ten in the draft. So he's a guy that could fall, and I think you could see all the quarterbacks slide. I don't think there's one guy that screams out, I'm the man. So when there's not that guy, a lot of the time they all start falling. Russ, what's your take on Thibodeau out of Oregon? Would you go high with him, or would you see if you could uh... – uh, wait without maybe having to trade up. 
I mean, I'd be willing to wait, and it's not so much because of him. Um, I think he's a very talented player, but I think when you have like the kid from Purdue um, in this year's draft, there's a number of guys that like him in terms of a chance to be a really good football player that you don't really have to go crazy trying to trade up to get him when there are other players of similar talent that are going to be available five to ten picks after him. Russ, going to dive into some some of the Nebraska players, and and I know last time we had John about a month ago, we we talked about uh, Cam Jurgens quite a bit, and there's a, a long list of teams that want to look at him as a center or a guard, and uh, some of the different projections out there have him going second and third round, and he's really picked up some momentum. The other name Nebraska fans could hear on Friday. Cam Taylor Britt, Cam has played safety, Cam has played corner, and he has been uh, a guy that from a from a physicality standpoint with his length and his height and his speed, it's, it's a really good combination. Cincinnati may be a landing spot for him, but just a quick overall kind of a broad take on, on Cam Taylor Britt, a guy who's played and played well in Lincoln, but the wins haven't come. Well, firstly, I'll mention you, you mentioned that the O-lineman, that's the guy teams are intrigued by because of that ability to play guard or center. They believe in the NFL. So I think you're right. I think in that third to fourth round, probably going to get a chance. The other kid you mentioned, I think teams are intrigued. They're trying to figure out, is he going to be able to carry over the production he had in college at the NFL level? And those teams that feel they will, I think in that fourth to fifth round, they're going to roll the dice. I think he's going to go a little bit earlier than people think. JoJo Doman's an interesting case. He's uh, was a second-team All-American. JoJo's ball skills uh, really high level, and he was able to set the edge, could come off the edge, really a nice hybrid guy. JoJo's also going to turn 25 this summer and has had two ACLs, and he's battled back from it. Could that be a reason maybe JoJo slides Oh, there's no question. I mean, especially in today's world, because analytics have become such a big part of everything. Teams know the history by position of guys that have been healthy coming out, guys that have had one ACL, two ACLs, an Achilles, a neck, whatever it may be. They have all the data. And the data is very strong that when you've got one ACL, there's a major risk. When you've had two, the risk is almost 50%. You're going to have a third. So teams are very, very nervous about players, especially on defense, because of the reactionary reactionary nature of playing defense that puts more stress on your joints. So, yeah, that's definitely going to cause them to fall. It could even be something that knocks him to be an undrafted free agent because two ACLs, 25 years old, that's a hard thing to overcome when it comes to drafting. You lose every tiebreaker. But on the other hand, that also gives potential for a team that really likes him to, to, to snatch him up in a late round kind of low risk, high reward type with when you see JoJo's production on the field, it, it kind of lends itself to a, a team being able to get themselves a, a diamond in the rough, if you will, in the late rounds, right? A hundred percent. There are a number of teams. Baltimore was one of them for many years, and they still are. There are about four or five teams that really place an emphasis on in the sixth and seventh round. They say, hey, we're going to take the kids who have been super productive, who are really good athletes, who either have character or injury problems that have kept them from being drafted at the level that their production usually would warrant. So that's why there are going to definitely be teams that probably have a mark on him along with three or four other guys with injury like him or character that's just some other guys as guys they'd be willing to roll the dice on late that other teams probably won't consider, but it's a great value pick for them. 
Russ Landy, a couple minutes left here. Hail Varsity Radio, NFL Draft Preview, uh, NFL Insider, and former front office and scout man with uh, the NFL. Russ, uh, a thought here on on Samare Toure and, and Damian Daniels. They're, they're two guys, different positions. Samare uh, had a really good season for Nebraska, making the, the jump up from FCS to uh, to the Big Ten and it was you know just shy of, of you know a thousand yard season. Uh, what what type of market is there for for late round wideouts or undrafted preferred free agents at the wide receiver position? And then Damian Daniels, great kid out of Dallas, we talked to yesterday. Uh, surprised a lot of the NFL folks that he did come out, uh, but uh, when healthy performed pretty well. Uh, just doesn't have multiple seasons doing it, but he's a big body with quickness on the interior, about 315. You know, I think, unfortunately for both of them, um, different things hurting them. The, the Tory, obviously, I mean, you're talking about a position that there's always tons of. Um, and, and with one, although he was productive prior at a lower level, the one-year production at Nebraska – it's going to hurt him. He's going to lose a lot of tiebreakers. Probably going to be an undrafted free agent. Um, the Davis kid. I mean, you, you nailed it on the head. Teams were shocked he came out. One year of really being a productive all-around player. Unlikely he gets drafted. Now, does that mean they don't have a chance to get good money as, as a free agent? No. And does that mean they're not going to make a team? No. I mean, every year, oh, more players make teams around the league in terms of active roster and practice roster that are undrafted than actually get picked. So you definitely have an opportunity to make a team. Four or five guys per team make it. You just got to find the right home and make sure your agent helps you identify the correct team to sign with when you get all your offers after the draft. Russ, it seems like there's a number of polarizing players in this year's draft, and then you have the COVID factor where there's a, a, a quite a few more guys that, that got an extra year that, that are also a part of this draft. Who's the most polarizing player uh when it comes to draft you were you were associated with or you remember uh just being weary of to take a risk on well you know i mean i can remember truthfully one of the biggest guys was manzel i mean when he came out there were scouts that insisted to me this guy was an easy pick projecting and there were other people that said this is a guy who no chance is going to be able to handle the character and the same thing with Winston. A lot of people were sure there would never be any issues with him and that he would be a star quickly. And other people that thought this guy has zero chance of being successful because they just didn't think he processed quick enough to be able to be a professional quarterback. So to me, Menzel and Winston are two of the most polarizing guys I've ever been around in terms of the opinions were split so dramatically. Okay, any movement, Russ? Does Debo Samuel find his way out of San Fran? There's a, a deep, deep uh, selection of wideouts. Garrett Wilson, Draylon Burks out of Arkansas, Pickens of Georgia, Drake London. Love Drake's frame out of SC. Uh, Debo's been proven. They've kind of used him in the old uh, Tecmo Bowl role, <laughs> role. <laughs> you know, running the football with him and catching it. But, man, he's... He's a beast. Does, does he move? I know he was extended, but Kyler Murray, does Arizona, now that they got the extension on him, do they look to, to move him? And then what happens with Baker Mayfield? Three, uh, three big question marks I have. 
Okay, Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. They, they're they're going to keep him. I think that's a ride or die thing. They're going to keep him. And if Kingsbury, if he and Kingsbury fail, they'll go down together. I don't think Debo Samuel's being moved. I think the 49ers people squeaked into the playoffs last year. Otherwise, they all would have been fired. I think they know they can't afford a down year this year, so Debo's not going anywhere. Baker Mayfield is going to be traded. Uh, it's not going to be for what people expect. It's probably going to be for a third-round pick, maybe. Fourth, well, third and future picks. It won't just be a third, but like a third now and a third next year. But that'll get done, I think, this year after the first round on day two. Someone will trade for Mayfield. Are you surprised that, that Baker's had some struggles? Uh, I know he played hurt. We're also two years removed from a AFC championship uh, appearance. He's got a, a, an incredible offensive line when it comes to, to the run game, right, with Chubb. He's had weapons at receiver. They've loaded up defensively. I mean, they've been really good off the edge with Garrett and company. Uh, so they, they underachieved this the- year. I think the big thing with him is I think there's no doubt physically he can do a lot of things they want. I don't think they're happy with how he has handled being the guy when they had an up-and-down season this past year. And I think that led them to think that it may be time to move on. Um, and I think that's why this has happened. I don't think it is due to the fact that they don't think he can be good enough. Mm-hmm. I think it's the whole package of can he be physically good enough and can he handle being the leader when things go sideways. And I think they question that at this point. Russ, last thought here. I don't know if you're a Vegas guy or not, but Vegas, one of the most intriguing bets tonight is will a running back go in the first round? I want to get your take on that. <laughs> I would bet no, but at the same time, I've been wrong on almost every bet ever when it comes to running backs <laughs> and how many are going to be selected. So because I'm saying no, there'll probably be three. Okay, so there's there's the odds from, uh, from Russ Landy, um, NFL insider. Uh, of course, draft analyst and Russ uh, with uh, uh, the CFL as well. And uh, Russ, hey, best to you. Thanks for squeezing this in on a busy day. I appreciate your time. You got it, Chris. Thanks for contracting me on today. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio Good stuff from Russ Landy, uh, longtime front office man and scout, draft analyst. Some thoughts on the upcoming draft. We're uh, 35 minutes away as we'll take you to ESPN's coverage of the NFL draft. We welcome in college football Hall of Famer Gary Barnett with his coach. How's your Thursday going? Did you get 18 in? I did get 18 in. Played the uh, TPC Stadium course today. And... uh, you know, brought it to its knees. <laughs> no, it brought me to my knees is what happened. But, uh, you know, it's it's not that hard a course, but it's just got some, um, you know, some a couple tough holes. But it, it's fun to go play it. And, uh, you know, I don't do it but about once every five or six years. So, But it's fun. And, you, they, you know, everything's down. They don't have any of the bleachers up. So hmm. it's amazing how 16 looks so completely different 
when it's not surrounded by all those people. It's amazing. It it looks so different now than it does on television. Were, were there any beer showers on 16 today for you? Uh, no, there weren't. Uh, there, were, there weren't a lot of people out there today. <laughs> Just me and my partners. Well, uh, next time, Coach, the, the beer showers. Uh, I'm interested. Are you a, a big NFL draft guy? Uh, I ask that because you put a lot of guys into the league with your time at Colorado as an assistant and, and also as a head coach. I mean, Colorado, uh, with with uh, your time there, had a good history of producing NFL talent. So does this time of year uh, mean something to you? You know, not as much, uh, Chris, as you might think. Um, when I had someone that was up for it, I always watched it. And, of course, I – most of those guys kept me up with what they thought was going to happen. And and also, uh, if you've got a guy that's high enough, then the coaches for the in the league call you and talk to you about this and that and some of the scouts. So you've got a decent idea of what's going on. But uh, once, I'm aw- once I'm away from it, uh, I don't follow it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you get asked a lot, you know, when just – with my golf buddies, they want to know what I think of the draft, so I try to stay up so I can give them somewhat of a sensible answer. And you know, so I do watch it a little bit. I especially watch and see where the quarterbacks are going to go and how many defensive guys are going to go. And I do, when it's all over, I go through and and analyze the numbers as to uh, how many defensive guys, how many offensive guys, how many offensive linemen. It's funny to watch it change over the last ten or twelve years. A year like last year, you had six or seven quarterbacks in the first round this year i'm not sure you're going to have one in the first round um and then it's interesting to see how the games change you see more more dbs uh more edge rushers now than you ever have uh you see more defensive players being drafted i think it's it's usually about 32 uh 22 to 10 on on defensive guys every year as to the number of draft choices versus offensive guys, and, and sometimes it changes based on the, based on you know kind of personnel that's out there. But uh, you never see a running back go in the first round very often. I think Saquon Barkley was one of the mm-hmm. fewest. So I mean, I do follow up from that extent and try to keep up with it. Uh, I'm going to be at dinner tonight, but I'll probably have an eye out to see you know who goes first. I'm sure it's going to be one of these edge rushers. Either yeah. the kid, kid from Georgia, or maybe Michigan. I don't think he's the very first pick, but we'll see. Well, that's that's the question because Walker's shot up the board because of his physical skills, the ability to get off the edge. But three years, nine and a half sacks, just it doesn't look like that he got to do it all the time. Now Georgia's going to have like five guys in the first round, really talented front seven coach. And Hutchinson may not have much more of a ceiling, but he could be more of a, of a known quantity. Uh, if if you're in Jacksonville's shoes, do you go with the upside or do you go with the uh, the, the, the air quote, if, if there is such a thing, safe choice? Well, first of all, I do not want to be in Jacksonville's shoes, not <laughs> with that mess. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think probably you're seeing Walker go up uh, because of the dr- – the combine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm sure he must have impressed everybody. But, but that's when you when you see somebody shoot up that doesn't have the numbers. That's what happens is they've just performed outlandishly, 
at the combine and interviewed very, very well. And so um, th- that's generally what happens. Uh, you, you know, I think it could be one of any three or four guys. I don't think there's a, you know, there's not Trevor Lawrence this year. There's not a guy like that that you just know who's going to go first. Uh, in fact, I think it's pretty muddled all the way through the first round. I'm, I'm not sure the first, you know, the first 32 are are absolutely set in stone right now. And it, I think you look at Kuyper's numbers and you you look at uh, uh, the other numbers. Uh, you know, they've got different guys in there. And so it's it's. I think it's going to be somewhat interesting to watch. Well, I, I'm anxious to see where. The uh, the NC State kid goes uh, right. I- Icky Akuanu, uh, 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 and he's a John Garrison guy. Uh, John found him, and and guy had the the arm length, but at six four, he's a little short for a tackle. But Icky's played really good good ball, and of course John Garrison used to be at in in Lincoln, and so that's interesting. Uh, I look at some of the wideouts. You've seen a lot of Pac-12 teams. Do you like Thibodeau? Do you do you like Drake London? Any of those guys do anything for you going on the next level? I really like Drake London. Um, he was the most impressive player I saw this whole year. Okay. And then he got hurt. He got hurt, actually, I think the game after I watched him. We had him. He was the most impressive receiver. Uh, as a big guy, maybe not pure speed, but just great great hand strength and um could could find the ball and and catch it anywhere and had great presence out there so he was you know and i know they we've got all these guys coming out of ohio state and the kid coming out of alabama and that they have some great speed but london was just so impressive to me and um thibodeau I, i've been up and down on thibodeau since he came out i think he's um, he probably is a terrific talent. I don't think he always played to that talent. The other kids seem to. Coach, uh, I want to go to uh, the transfer portal, and Nebraska's going to get a decision, a, a yes or a no, Saturday from O'Shawn Mathis from TCU, two-time All-Big 12 guy, and uh, a really good edge guy at 260, 6'5". Could be talking about him next year. We'll be talking about him next year. It's just whether or not he's wearing burnt orange or or uh, Nebraska red. And uh, I, I would love to get your take on this with uh, with where Nebraska's at. I mean, by all indications, they're they'll be in position from an NIL standpoint to compete with Texas. Now he's just outside of Austin. And Gary Patterson's, uh, you know, an, an analyst now at Texas. You've been in the recruiting game a long time. <laughs> uh, Nebraska feels good, but is is Austin just too close to home? How do you think this thing shakes out on the weekend? Well, uh, yeah, I, I I don't like your chances, truthfully. Yeah. Um, mostly because kids want to go where they can win a championship. And um, I think it'd be hard to... To uh, throw your goods onto the Husker wagon right now, where it's probably a little easier to throw it on in Austin and be at home mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, I, I, that's why a lot of these kids jump into the portal in the first place is they just want to go win. They want to go win a championship someplace. So 
I, I think that that will ultimately be the decision maker for him as to where he thinks he can win a championship uh, with his move. Better shot in in Austin than Lincoln for twenty twenty two. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I as I look at it, that's what I would think. Well, Gary, uh, you were one hundred percent right. I did not like your answer. <laughs> well, I just got the uh, the paper towels out, and there's a cleanup in aisle four. I mean, he's he's really sad. So, Coach, let me ask you this as we switch gears. You get a phone call tomorrow from Indianapolis. Coach Barnett, how would you like to, to run the NCAA since Mr. Emmert stepped down? Would you take that phone call? Well, I'll tell you what. I'd have to have total power. You Good. Know, I, You'd fix it, I think. Be, that would have to be one of those things where, I mean, it's a czar. It's not a president. You know, it's, <laughs> You're a dictator. You, <laughs> I, I'm a, a benevolent dictator, <laughs> but a dictator. You know, I, I don't think it's just like, you know, the NFL operates because it has a dictator. You can't, you can't. It's so difficult to try to run all these different colleges and all these different programs and all this different stuff by committee. And you need a really strong personality and a strong vision, and you need someone who who has the wherewithal and the power to get it all done. But um, you know, I don't. That's not going to happen. I don't think. I, you know, eventually. Chris, I think it will. I think eventually people will come around and see that it has to happen that way. But I don't think so right now. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So, Coach, we'll, we'll let you get out. I know you've got um, – you, you played uh, some golf. What What is for dinner? Are you going barbecue? Are you going uh, steakhouse? Are you going, going Mexican uh, fish? Night. Going oh. Mexican. So, Ooh. going to the Spotted Donkey. Do they sell T-shirts? <laughs> they do sell T-shirts. You want one? I, well, I need to get one because we're just going to, you know, break some family ties here on air. That was my brother's nickname growing up. Not Spotted Donkey, but it was the Donkey. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, I'll, I'll check and see if they've got a Donkey T-shirt, and I'll grab it for you. Well, that'd be so – let me know I can Venmo you, all right? All right, bud. All right, take care, Coach. Thanks. Talk to you, Chris. Bye-bye. The Spotted Donkey. I love that. I've got to gotta check that out. That sounds good. Yeah, is, is there anything to, like, a, a bar has to have, like, a, a good name for it to be a good, like, bar, bar or sports the bar? Spotted Donkey. <laughs> oh, pretty good. We will not get into the uh, Sun Bowl uh story from the uh, bowl game is that the origin of how he got the donkey nickname? No, no 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 this is this is this is nebraska playing in the sun bowl in 1980 and the 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 urban legend is you know to and the, the the kids are waiting to get picked up and one of the locals in el paso wants to know if they want to go see a donkey show <laughs> okay 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 uh sorry but good for i gotta google that uh, the spotted donkey there we have it danny burke's on the way the draft is 20 minutes away it's hail varsity yeah! 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Burke's Best Bets. Daddy Burke with his VEASAN Sports Network, the Daddy Burke Podcast. And uh, I tell you what, you guys are all over it uh, in Vegas, Danny, for the NFL Draft. How are you? I'm good, Schmitty. I know, you know, VEASAN will have extensive coverage the whole night throughout the draft with great guests, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, I'll be covering it a little bit on my show. But I'm a tad bit bummed out because when I was back in Vegas, uh, that's when the draft was originally supposed to be there, and then COVID hit, and then I moved back here. So I'm a little salty on missing out, but, you know, uh, it'll still be cool to see the spectacle of the stage at the uh, Bellagio Fountains on TV. So I'm uh, pretty excited for the most part. Looking forward to it. And Chow will parachute in and accost <laughs> Roger Goodell. I'm kidding. Uh, at DaddyBerg5 <laughs> on Twitter is where you find him. So a thought from you. On, on where you're leaning here. Where are some prop bets? Do you like laying some heat on who goes number one overall? What's What are the feelers like? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to be honest, Schmitty. With the number one overall pick, it, it just seems like it changes every single week. You had Neil, you had Hutchinson, and now you got Walker, and now it seems like the steam continues to come in on Walker being drafted number one overall. But, again, I, would it shock anyone really to end up Seeing it be Hutchinson, I mean, I get that the betting market's moving that way, and now you're hearing all these mock drafts. You really got a question, all right, is it some people who actually have some good inside info in a sense, or is it just these guys on national TV just really moving the line based on what they're saying? So you kind of got to decipher it that way. Obviously, with Walker at this point, if you believe he's going number one, there's really not any value left whatsoever as he's the big favorite. Uh, Hutchinson, I guess, is where you would see the value now if you think he could go number one. But I even heard some people think he could go three. So who the hell knows at this point, Schmitty? But I did only do a couple of plays here. The one that I really liked, and I was a little bit bummed because I was looking at it. I'm like, man, I like this. I had too much patience, and I missed the best number. It was at, like, minus 170-something, and I got it at minus 250. And, heck, even now, it's at, like, minus 430. And that's for the number of quarterbacks to be selected in the first round. I did under three and a half. We know it's not a heavy draft class for the quarterback as is. And I feel like you understand now as a team because of that and just because of what you've seen in the past, You don't really want to invest in some of these middle-tier, potentially, quarterbacks right away. You want to fill up where it's strong defensively in the first rounds, where they have a deep receiving core, offensive line, et cetera. But I don't think there's enough talent in the quarterback class to get you four quarterbacks. I'd be even a little shocked if we saw three, maybe not shocked, but 
I, I just think that's the absolute max. You're going to get Malik Willis. You're going to get Kenny Pickett. My question is, are you going to get Desmond Ritter? And even if you are against me, there's no chance in hell I think you see four. So that's why I was comfortable <laughs> even laying as high as minus 250. Because I think at the absolute max, you only see three. And I know some books are offering two and a half for some plus money to the over. So even if you want to take a little bit more of a gamble and go under on that, again, I don't think that's a terrible bet either, considering I think two is kind of the more appropriate number of what you could see. But again, you know, that's really one that I've got some decent confidence in. Uh, the other one I did also is the Bears, what they're going to draft for their first position. And again, they're, they're in the second round, so we might not see this till uh, Friday, but who knows, they could trade up. But what we need to know and establish is who the Bears or what side of the ball, rather, the Bears need to invest in it. Obviously, it's both. You get a head coach that's defensive-oriented. But your GM, Ryan Poles, is offensive-oriented. He's coming from the Kansas City Chiefs. He knows how to rebuild an offensive line and get speedy receivers. You invested, being the Bears, in Justin Fields last year. So in my mind, because of how deep the class is receiver-wise, the Bears will probably go on the offensive side of the ball. And instead of just betting it to be an offensive player, which you got to lay a little bit of a price to do so, I did the exact position because it's either going to be a receiver or an offensive lineman. And the receiver was like plus 225. The offensive lineman, I got at plus 430. So if they do go offense, it's going to be one of those positions. And I'll make some plus money either way if it's going to be one of those two guys. So that's my assumption for what the Bears are going to do in the second round. Or even if they trade up. Because if they trade up, it's got to be for the fact that they're going for a receiver because of how deep that class is. Denny, I asked Russ Landy about this just a little bit ago, and I want to get your take on it. I know a popular bet out there is will a running back go in the first round, and I believe right now the, the money's on the side of, of no, there will not be. It really seems like the Bills might be the only team that would be interested in taking a running back in the first round. So I want to get your take. Is, is that a bet worth making? Will there be a running back taken in the first round? Man, this one is always dicey, and I feel like everybody automatically wants to say yes because if you're more of just a casual NFL viewer, you see these top running backs and you saw what they did in college, you're like, wait, yeah, how would they not get a running back? What do you mean? It's such an important position. And you're right, but the issue is they're so dispensable and also they're so injury-prone. I mean, you have an exception of a running back every now and then, but I think a good example you can use, heck, speaking of the Bears, I mean, look at Khalil Herbert what he did when David Montgomery was out. And obviously, you didn't get him in the first round. He got him very late. Furthermore, take a look at Tony Pollard over Ezekiel Elliott. That's another example. You don't need to invest in running backs right away. Another one, how about Saquon Barkley being a top pick? And he's been pretty much injured his whole career. Of course, you can't handicap or predict that. But, you know, those are the reasons why people don't go crazy over running backs unless it's like, you know, the second coming of, like, Walter Payton or something like that where people were envisioning with Saquon Barkley. So I think the under being the favorite is the right side. But you're right, there's always a team, like, in the 30, 31, 32 pick that may snag someone like a brief call. So I personally will stay away. If you had better odds worth playing on the under, I would probably gravitate toward that direction. But, yeah, I think nowadays people don't want to invest in tailbacks so early. So I would guess that there is not going to be a running back in the first round. Daddy Burke, Burke's Best Bets with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Daddy, over under three and a half Nebraska players selected. Oh, man, you know, uh, to to make the fan base happy, I'll say over, but I guess if I'm being a little bit objective, I guess I'll give a little lean to the under, Smitty. Where, where are you leaning toward with this bet? I think they get four. I think they get both cams. I think JoJo goes, yeah. and I think Austin Allen ends up getting picked. 
Yeah, Allen looked pretty good during uh, the combine or pro days, right? He was looking like a stud out there, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he's uh, he's good. he could be the, the tallest tight end in the NFL, and maybe he has Nashville written all over him. Real quick, Danny, about 90 seconds. Who do you like? What do you like in the NBA playoffs tonight? Uh, tonight, man, I mean, these games are going to be coming down to the wire at this point. I really want to back the Pelicans here. Back at home, this series is so tough to handicap. I think I'm going to wait to in-game that one. That one's going to be a blast either way. I want Philly to win. I need them to win because I have a ticket on them to win the Eastern Conference Finals that hopefully I can hedge with my Bucks championship ticket. But I, it's hard, like, as a fan, I want Philly to win. But sitting back with no skin of the game, I honestly feel like Toronto pushes this thing to seven just because this is a Doc Rivers special, right, to blow a big lead. Uh, Dallas and Utah, I want to say that Dallas closes it out tonight. Utah's a dumpster fire right now. And if Luka's now pretty much at 100% and you still get Jalen Brunson playing like a beast, I think the Mavericks can close this thing out. So give me the Mavericks in that game. Danny Burke, Vizan Sports Network, Burke's best bet. Said Danny Burke 5. Danny, will chat next week. Thanks for the time. You bet, guys. Take care. So there is Danny Burke joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio, another edition of Burke's Best Bets. We'll wrap up the show after this. Uh, give some late news on the NFL draft, who could be moving up, and I'll let you know where to find the podcast form. That's all coming up after the break here on Hale Varsity Radio. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One last time here on a Thursday, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt getting out here a, a few minutes early as he's off to uh, go watch his son play some baseball. I think he's heading off to Norris High School uh, this afternoon. So good luck to Junior out on the diamond this afternoon as uh, we are into the last segment of the show here. Uh, Only about 10 minutes away from NFL draft coverage. A little less than that, actually. You can hear it here locally uh, on ESPN Lincoln, or I know uh, most of our affiliates across the great state of Nebraska will also be carrying the NFL draft. And uh, it can be a little much to watch on TV all night. It's a pretty good deal being able to get out and about, run some uh, errands, get some chores done, see some friends, whatever you want to do. You can uh, tune in to NFL draft coverage in your car on the radio here uh, locally on ESPN Lincoln. If you missed anything from the show today, catch it in podcast form. The full show will be posted up here shortly following the show on your favorite podcast streaming services. That's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. You can also catch it on the Hale Varsity YouTube page. Or if you'd rather just catch individual segments, those are uh, available on ESPNLincoln.com in the on-demand section as we had uh, Brandon Vogel talking some Husker volleyball and NFL draft back in hour one. Leading off hour two, we had Russ Landy, uh, longtime scout 
NFL Draft Insider. He joined us to give us his full NFL Draft preview. And also uh, we heard from Gary Barnett and Danny Burke. We just heard uh, Danny Burke with his Burke's Best Bet. Some good stuff there. If you missed any of that, catch it on ESPNLincoln.com. Some late NFL Draft news here as we approach the Jaguars uh, on the clock. And uh, let's get a local flair here as uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Denver Broncos, probably the two teams that uh, around here have the largest following. Uh, so it started off with the Broncos. Nothing here to report except the fact the Broncos already have their first round pick and their second round pick, if you will. Uh, no bragging here. Russell Wilson, the uh, quarterback for the Denver Broncos this season. Praise the Lord. Uh, Broncos not going to be drift- drafting in the first or second rounds tonight. In order to get Russell Wilson, I will take that any day of the week. Give me an actual good quarterback in Denver. I don't need a first round pick. Who needs those picks anyway, right? Uh, as for the Chiefs, uh, they have some draft capital and uh, the late news is that uh, the Chiefs appear to be the most motivated here on draft day to make a move up in the first round uh, with their 12 picks, including eight in the first four rounds and two first round picks. They have, they have a plenty of ammunition to make a move up in the draft and uh, most people at least most Chiefs fans I talked to thinks that would be for a wide receiver but according to uh, Ari Merov uh, he reports for pro football focus he says defense also an option for the Chiefs moving up who could that name be we shall find out if uh, the Chiefs actually do end up making a move in the first round also news with the Jaguars pick is that the NFL Uh, This morning reminded the Jaguars to keep the number one pick close to the chest. They don't want any of that getting out. Obviously, the NFL uh, draft becoming such a big TV event. Uh, You don't want to lose any uh, drama around the first pick. Uh, So it should be expected that the Jaguars are going to be milking the clock on that first pick. And really the whole top 10, you're going to expect them to be really uh, milking that full 15 minutes, getting uh, enough time for TV to get uh, all those voices on the broadcast, some airtime with their analysis of the picks. So NFL draft coming your way here in just a couple minutes as the Jaguars just about on the clock. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Hale Varsity Radio 4 to 6. A Huda Media Production.